it's a warm but windy summer's day. It's around mid-morning and I'm walking through a regenerating forest with both introduced and native trees. I am with Georgina Pickrell and the members of Birds New Zealand. And we have spotted one of Aotearoa's most friendly, curious birds. The South Island Robin. They come in um, when we clap and make a sound. And what they come in for is because we feed them some mealworms, some beetle larvae. This is Georgina Pickrell. George leads the Robin Monitoring Project in this patch of forest outside Orokonui Eco Sanctuary. The Eco Sanctuary is protected by a large fence and is free of introduced predators. But in places like this forest outside the sanctuary, the birds are relatively less protected. So the project aims to keep track of how the birds are doing. George carries a little container about the size of a small film canister with mealworms in it. And she taps the lid making the clapping sound to get the robins closer to feed them some mealworms. By um, training them to come in for mealworms, we can then um, follow their breeding success. We can see if the adults, if the male robin has got a, a partner, because he, um, if he's breeding, he will take food to feed his female. And by then following him with the food, we can um, find his female as well. And from finding his female, we can work out whether she's got a nest or not. I'm going to try and throw some mealworms and hopefully... Oh yes, it's found the mealworms. It's got a mealworm in its mouth. The robins often pick up the mealworms and fly into the canopy. And this is when we have to follow them. We're usually in groups of three or four. We try and spread ourselves out around a bit so that one of us has always got an eye on the, where the bird goes. But um, pretty much we have to try and follow the bird as he zooms off through the forest, usually downhill or uphill. It can take half an hour or so easily, or we can end up in all sorts of places in the bush, climbing through vines or just um, pushing our way through. Um, there's quite a lot of re regenerating kanuka in the forest. The birds travel through the forest a lot easier than we do. You're listening to Tune Into Nature with me, Karthik. In this episode, I tag along with George and the members of Birds New Zealand to find out how the robins are doing in their new home in this little patch of forest. The team includes bird watchers of all ages. So what, what is the best thing of, about coming out here? What do you enjoy the most here? Uh, the robin, feeding the robins. And you never know, if it's a new pair of the robins, you find a new nest. We heard from Nico, the youngest member of the team. He's five years old and is a regular to the field trips along with his mother, Francesca Cunningham. I've been a small part of the Robins project as well, filming and recording in the past two seasons, and it's quite an adventure traveling through the forest and following the birds with the others. Robins are native birds that live in the forests of Aotearoa, New Zealand. There are two different species on the mainland, one that lives in the North Island and the other in the South Island. In the Maori language, one of the names for the South Island robin is Kakaruwai. They are curious little birds and look totally different from the European or American robins. South Island robins are mostly dark grey with a yellowish white breast. It might be tricky to tell the males and the females apart, but the females do not have a distinct separation between the yellow and the grey. They stand about 18 centimeters tall, about the size of a house sparrow, but they have long strong legs and hop on the ground looking for food. 
they're not that afraid of people and young birds have even been observed to come close and stand on people's boots. The song of the male robin is an iconic sound of the New Zealand forest. Here's a short piece of the song that I recorded. They were once found all over the South Island. And like many other native birds, their numbers were greatly reduced with the clearing of native forests and by introduction of animals like rats, stoats, possums that can eat eggs or even adult birds. Today they are only sparsely distributed across the South Island, so getting to see one is special. Around Dunedin, they used to live only in the Silver Peaks area until some of them were translocated, moved to the Orokanui Eco Sanctuary. 45 robins were translocated into Orokanui Eco Sanctuary in 2010 and 2011. And in the absence of mammalian predators inside the sanctuary, uh, the population there has um, exploded. Um, they've done very well, been very productive. And since about 2016, um, juvenile robins have been dispersing back over the fence into the um, land surrounding the sanctuary. Robins are highly territorial. They live within a specific area for most of their lives. So the young robins move out of the eco-sanctuary to this patch of forest, which we will call the study site. So once they move in, they start to settle and nest. But unlike in the protected sanctuary, the robins face some threats in their new home, like rats, possums and other introduced animals. So without predator control, robins are very vulnerable to mammalian predators. Since um, the current landowners have, have been managing it, um, since I think about 2010, they have been trying to reduce possums in there. Um, and they have also done some rat control in there as well, because they've identified that there were high possum and rat numbers. And they really wanted to know that the robins were, how they were doing on their land and uh, whether the, the pest control that they had been doing on their land was allowing the robins to establish a population. They um, asked Birds New Zealand to um, come along and, and help monitor their robins and um, establish yeah, how the robins were doing, look at their nest success, see how many robins were on their land and, and to check that the robins were doing okay. So to help study the robins, volunteers from Birds New Zealand head out to the study site once every two weeks. They carry out a wide range of tasks, starting from looking for birds to setting up nest cameras once the robins have laid eggs. To find out how the robins are doing, it's important to first identify individual birds. And one of the ways to do this is to put bands on the birds. These are little rings that go on the birds' legs. For the robins project, George uses a metal band with a unique number and color bands of different colors, used in a unique combination. So with the color bands, it's possible to identify the bird, even from a distance. To put color bands on the robins, George has to first catch the birds. And I should say that um, we have wildlife permits and um, banding permits from DOC and the Wildlife Authority to be able to do this work. To, to catch the birds for banding, um, we use some drop boxes. Um, rather than miss netting. So these are simple cages. They're about um, a foot by a foot in um, square. 
Um, they have uh, lightweight metal frames and we have um, with netting over the around them and then in the top we have a, a hole in the top with a long netting sleeve which is where we can put our hand in once we've um, caught a bird. Uh, it's a really simple technique to catch a robin. Um, we literally prop up one side of the trap on us with a stick. The stick has a long piece of string attached to it. We bait the back of the trap with some mealworms and we um, set this up in a, in a, we make sure that the, the ground is clear of um, sticks and debris, that it's safe for birds. It's a flat piece of ground and it's not wet. George and the team are trying to catch a male robin. He's interested in the mealworms and lands near the trap. He's already seen the mealworms under the trap and now it's a waiting game really to see whether he... So he's picked up one the mealworm outside the trap and eaten it. And now we're going to see how hungry he is and hopefully he'll go under the trap to see, to get the ones that he's seen in there. Hungry for another mealworm, he edges further towards the trap. George is holding the string connected to the trap, ready to pull it down if the bird goes in. So he just put his head under the trap there, but he is quite cautious and he then backed out. After a bit of contemplation, the robin decides to go for it. A quick hop and he's right in the middle of the trap. George quickly pulls the trap down and the bird is caught. And then we get the robin out of the, the trap into a bird bag within um, less than a minute. You know, it's a very quick process for the birds. and. The thing that strikes you really when you get the bird out for the first time is um, how light the birds are. They really are. They're about 35 grams. Um, it, it feels like you expect them to be heavier, but of course birds, because they fly, they're designed to be lightweight. So they're, and they're really quite warm. So um, yeah, and they're very soft as well. It's, you've got to be very careful handling the birds. Um, we han handle them in the banders grip using your hand as a cage rather than squeezing the bird. And then once they're in the bander's grip, um, we put the metal and then the plastic bands on the birds. And then we also can take measurements of wing length. We can measure tarsus length, which is the leg length. And we um, weigh the birds as well. Once this is done, the bird is released and it will have color bands on each leg. The birds are named based on the color of the bands they have got. For example, we have a, a blue metal and then a black and over orange. He's our first bird that we caught and banded. So this robin would have blue and metal bands on one leg and black and orange bands on the other leg. He has had a, he's been a very successful breeding. He and his partner are very successful at breeding. They um, have fledged nests every year and we have also banded their offspring. And their offspring have also successfully um, set up territories nearby and have bred successfully and fledged their own young. So this is a, a really good way of, of looking at the longevity of the birds and, and seeing that um, the, the population of robins on our study site are actually being self-sustaining in terms of the fact that they are breeding successfully and producing young that then recruit back into the population and are also producing and fledging their own young. So that's a really good sign. The other important part of the Robins project is, of course, the people, the volunteers who make this work possible. The really great thing about this project is um, that it enables a, a bunch of um, 
bird enthusiasts, so bird New Zealand people, to come together to work on a project that not only provides really useful data, but it also allows them to um, get skilled um, with finding nests, studying birds really intensively, um, monitoring nest success. Um, we're also um, able to train up some people to how to catch and band robins. Um, so it enables people to develop all these skills that they wouldn't get the chance to otherwise. After walking for hours in the forest looking for robins, we usually wind up with a cup of tea and a bit of a snack. It was a great time to catch up with other members of the robins team to hear how it went. So here's Adrian, who got to handle the robins for the first time recently. Well, I haven't actually got around to banding one yet, but I'm just practicing. And yeah, so I've held a couple of birds and I also got a bird out of a bag. Um, so yes, that feels really exciting to be learning a new skill. And um, hopefully about to use that one day or learn more and then be useful in a project. It's just nice being part of a scientific project, actually. And here's Francesca Cunningham, mother of Nico, who we heard from at the start. And spend time with, yeah, really nice, friendly bird community. And yeah, it's something for the whole family. I've been coming out with my son since, well, he was six months old and he's, he's as excited as me. When are we going to the Robins again? She's been working in the Galapagos Islands as a project leader of the Mangrove Finch Conservation Program. And while she's here, she works to protect New Zealand's native birds. And for me personally, I think it's very nice because some of my first experiences with birds in New Zealand and Dunedin were way back in the 90s, um, almost 30 years ago when I was a school kid. Um, and I was very lucky to be mentored by Derek Onley, who at that time was conducting a study catching and banding robins up in um, Flagstaff. And so that was a real highlight for me um, in my early years of starting to handle birds and it's really nice to return later um, and, you know, work with the same species. I asked Francesca how she manages to take Nico on such challenging terrain. When you get really tired and the robins have taken us down a steep gully, it's still piggyback and back up the hill. <laughs> Here's Katie. She studies ecology at the University of Otago. The first week that I came out here we found three nests and that was a highlight. Well for me um, there's multiple uh, enjoyments. Uh, one is the people, uh, getting to know people who know a lot about birds and being able to learn from them. Uh, also because I'm studying ecology at uh, university uh, I find it a really good way to get the field experience and um, to complement the academic um, study at uni. The robins are really charismatic birds, so being able to um, supply them with mealworms and gain their trust in a way that they bring to their fledglings is a really special connection that we have with them. And when we are able to catch them and put bands on them, it's really cool to um, be able to tell the individuals apart year after year and see how they progress. We heard from Oscar Thomas. He's a writer and photographer and studies ecology and zoology at the University of Otago. And here's Bruce McKinley, the president of Birds New Zealand, sharing his favourites about the Robins project. It's got a whole lot of um, really neat uh, angles to it, but you know, most importantly, um, Birds New Zealand people are out here working with birds and uh, learning a lot about the behaviour of robins around Dunedin. And at the end of the day, the, the real fellow feeling of fellowship as we walk back to the cars and we're sharing all the, all the stories, it's just part of being out with a group of really good people. I asked George about the plans for the Robins project in the future. So um, we're trying to 
we're going to be trying to catch and band as many birds as we can in the next five years uh, and monitoring continue monitoring nest success and there's also uh, robins us have been dispersing outside the eco sanctuary now into other places around the eco sanctuary and it would be really good to um, build up our the sample size of nesting success and survival of robins outside the sanctuary um, by um, also expanding the study into other areas outside the eco sanctuary in this season the team found a total of 10 nests in the study site out of which three had failed. The predominant reason was predation by introduced animals. The other seven nests were successful with around 14 healthy chicks. The nest survival rates in the site are the highest for two years in a row. So the population of the robins at the study site is growing. With the work of Birds New Zealand and other conservation groups around Dunedin, I hope we one day get to see and hear the robins in the city. You are listening to Tune Into Nature with me, Karthik. We will be back with more nature sounds and stories, so do subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. If you like this episode, please leave a rating and share your comments. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our Facebook page, Tune Into Nature Podcast. And while you're there, do check out the photos of the Robins and the team on our Facebook page. Thanks to the members of Birds New Zealand Otago branch. If you'd like to get into bird watching or volunteer for bird conservation, head over to birdsnz.org.nz. That was birdsnz.org.nz and find your local branch. More information in the show notes. This podcast is supported by Otago Regional Council's Eco Fund. Thanks to Otago Access Radio. Thanks to Professor Nancy Longnecker from the Center for Science Communication, University of Otago. Music for this podcast is from Blue Dot Sessions. This is Karthik signing off. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.